Gig Gab, episode 96, for Wednesday, December 28th, 2016. folks, and welcome to GigGab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Out here in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. Happy holidays, Dave. Yeah, man. Happy holidays to you. That's right. You have a yeah. nice... You have a nice Christmas? We did. We had a really nice Christmas, actually. It was... Uh, Christmas was great. Christmas Eve was great. It was all... It was really laid back and, and good, which is good. Yeah. How about you? You have... Uh, you, you celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah, correct? I do. We had a, a beautiful Christmas Eve, a great Christmas day, except the Warriors lost to the Cavaliers, but that, that's another thing. And then uh, <laughs> on, the, on the 26th, uh, we went to my dad's and uh, my dad does Hanukkah for us. And, and nice. uh, it was actually really nice. Uh, it was, was, you know, holidays can be, it was funny leading up to the holidays. It felt like there was like an absence of anticipation. I don't know why, you know, my girls aren't, weren't around as much leading up to the holidays. Yep. But once everybody got in the house, we had a really, really nice time. You know, watched a lot of dumb movies, played a lot of funny games, had a lot of laughs. So it was really ah, that's very, great. Very, yeah. That's right. So this is your, well, it, it, I don't know if it's your first Christmas as a true empty nester, but it's certainly one of the first. So, right. Yeah. It's just, it's just a different thing. Just but different. It, it, yeah. It, and you learn to appreciate things in different ways. You know, it makes you, it makes you, uh, very reflective on the year that's been, you know, it's yeah. been a, an interesting year. And, um, I found myself thinking a lot about my band and, um, a lot about my band's place in my community, a, a lot about our influences and, you know, a lot about, you know, obviously it was a very interesting year in that we lost so many people. Well, we did. I actually had an idea, Paul, cause I pulled together a list and I'm sure I missed people on this list. Uh, of musicians who passed away in 2016. There's a lot of talk, understandably so, about 2016 being a year, perhaps not the year that had the most uh, celebrity uh, deaths, but but we had certainly plenty. And it seemed like they were spaced out in such a way that it just never stopped. Uh, so I, 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 I filtered down a list of musicians. And what I'd like to do is just read the list. And then once I get to the end, Let's talk about the one or two that that actually that that, that meant the most to us, or or whose whose passing sort of impacted us the, the most. I, uh, we'll see where we go with this. We're, we're not going to, but we're not going to talk about each and every one. Doesn't mean that we're dismissing them. It's just we each have personal kind of uh, yeah personal feelings. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. I think I've organized these by date. I know I've missed some. And my apologies. Here we go. I am going to start with December 31st, 2015. Uh, not technically 2016. Natalie Cole. January 3rd, Paul Blay. January 10th, David Bowie. January 17th, Dale Buffin Griffin, Mott the Hoople's drummer. Uh, January 18th, Glenn Fry. January 19th, Sharon Jones. January 24th, Jimmy Bain. January 28th, Paul Kantner. February 3rd, Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire. December 5th, uh, sorry, February 15th, Vanity, uh, a.k.a. Denise Matthews, March 8th, George Martin, Sir George Martin, uh, March 11th, Keith Emerson, March 23rd, Fife Dog, April 6th, Merle Haggard, April 21st, Prince Rogers Nelson, a.k.a. Prince, uh, May 19th, John Barry of the Beastie Boys, June 3rd, Dave Swarbrick from Airport Convention, 
June 14th, Henry McCullough, Wings guitarist. Uh, August 21st had both Matt Roberts from Three Doors Down and Tom Searle from Architects. Uh, September 8th, Prince Buster, a Jamaican uh, ska musician, really kind of pioneered a lot of stuff. Uh, October 24th, both Pete Burns and Bobby V. November 10th, Leonard Cohen. November 13th, Leon Russell. November 15th, Mose Allison, the jazz piano player. December 7th, Greg Lake. December 24th, Rick Parfit from Status Quo. And December 25th, most recently, George Michael. So there's the list. Yeah, yeah. The one that I got to add in yeah. just from our um, January 19th, uh, Mick Gillette from Tower of Power. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I knew I missed one. So there, there we go. Yeah. So as I, as I read through that list, Paul, any, any one or two that really kind of floated to the top for you? Well, you know, obviously there's some larger than life legendary musicians in this list. Of course. Bowie and, Bowie and Glenn, Glenn Fry would, would be the two immediately. But I, I, the main thing is this year went on and this kept happening. Uh, I, the reflection is, is that it's the baby boomer generation where this is going to be of happening. Course. Of course, and yes. This is normal for many of these people. It's normal. For, unfortunately, for people like Prince, not normal, right? Well, and, and there and, are some or, people, or, and Keith Emerson, not normal, right? Yeah, I, I mean, you'd like to think that a lot of these people died in their late fifties, sixties, early seventies. That's yeah. young. That's very young. That's a that's a very sad thing. Uh, so the first reflection is like this: this kind of peer group of musicians. Um, you know, I'm in that group now and I think about what it means to me. And, you know, obviously it's like it's cold water. And that reminder about savoring every moment certainly is my my first reflection about this. So that, like, you know, sure, they're not some of these guys are not much older, if any bit than me. And so, you know, every note you play truly being a blessing. Is yeah, there's, what, what, there's people on this list that are younger than you and I. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, my, my our, our friend Robert Berry, who was on the show, lost two bandmates in, in uh, Keith Emerson and Greg Lake. That's a lot. And so that was, you know, very sad. Um, But and then Bowie was kind of that. Like, I think we talked about it when Bowie passed. I wasn't a huge Bowie fan. You're kind of always aware, you know, that he's in that realm of, of, you know, rock gods. So you're you're, you're always aware of Bowie. But, you know, that kind of avant-garde art stuff wasn't really my thing. There were a couple of great rock tunes, Rebel Rebel, um, you know, that I love. But I wasn't, you know, big on the concept album stuff. And Bowie Bowie wasn't in my world. But Bowie passing while he was being so vibrant and getting this new music out was really, you know, a sad, a, a sad thing. It, it, it is. It, I saw an inter- interesting interview with Springsteen the other day and, and the interviewer asked Springsteen, you know, he has his book out and he, and he said, you know, is rock music not the catalyst for change that it used to be? Hmm. And and Springsteen's response was that there was a time when rock music, rock, rock and roll music was the center of, of so much culture. Yeah. So this time from the late 60s, probably to the late 70s, there was a there was a hole in the universe where rock music is where many young people would look to their meaning to get their meaning. And it's more peripheral now. So rock music, you know, you know isn't going to sway an election or anything like that. Bowie was part of that golden age of 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 classic rock uh, that was at a time when it moved so many people and was so important to people. Um, And that was my main reflection about Bowie is that a time, uh, a period of time, you know, has gone. 
Um, so, so Bowie and, and, and Glenn from the Eagles would be the two ones that popped out at me the most is the most relevant to me. Um, this last one of George Michael has been really sad to me because again, very young, 53, very young. Um, and, uh, you know, he was a very interesting character, made some great pop music, um, was a very principled person. And so, so maybe as, as close to a peer as I could find in this list yep. uh, would be George Michael. What, what about you? What, what pops out from this list? Yeah, I, like you, um, Bowie and, and even Prince, obviously Prince, yeah. very aware of their careers. I've played some of their songs, but they, their their work just never resonated with me on a level where it was part of my musical makeup. And, and, and that's just me. I, I, I know plenty of uh, friends and other, in fact, far more influential musicians where that was the case. My wife Bowie is, you know, was on a pedestal for her throughout her life, uh, throughout his life and, uh, and still is. And that's great. Uh, but yeah, those two, although they were big, didn't really resonate with me. Um, the, the, um, the one, the two, really, the one, the one that that floats to the top of this list every time I I look at it is Glenn Fry, mm. and I I think it's because I've always sort of been aware of the Eagles. I've always appreciated the Eagles. Seeing that Eagles movie, the uh, the history of the Eagles, mm. really gave me it made me a bigger fan of the band. And I was already playing some Eagles tunes and dissecting them and the harmonies and all that stuff. So that, that movie came at the right time. It was sort of the catalyst to, to, you know, make me a bigger fan. And then we, Lisa and I took the kids and we went and saw the Eagles with Glenn Fry, obviously, um, you know, a year later when they were doing that tour. And so I feel like I had just gotten to the point where it was like, Oh, I want to go see them again. And, and now I can't. Right. So so in that sense, it it hit pretty hard it, um, mm-hmm. just just because of that. Um, Glenn, it, it, the, the second one for me is is George Martin. Sure. Partially because I had kind of gotten to know his son and was actually in touch with his son right around the time of of uh, of him passing. So that was just it, it. It hit much closer to home for me because it had this impact on someone that that I knew. I mean, you know, obviously his son was, you know, <laughs> father and son were very, very close, especially the two of them. And uh, so, it, I, you know, I was sort of more aware and it was more palpable than just this thing you read on the news. Uh, sure. You know, in, in that sense. So that that hit pretty hard. And that was the reason that I I kind of broke the rule and included Sir George Martin on the list, even though I, I guess technically he wasn't a musician. I'm not. He, might he was actually been. a musician. Actually, that's yeah. true. Yeah, exactly. Classical. Yeah, right. <coughs> but I, I only in looking at the list, I, I only saw uh, three of these people live, and that was Glenn Fry, Keith Emerson, and Sharon Jones. Um, she died too young. She was amazing. Uh, she was like a female James Brown. I saw her at a show at South by Southwest, and totally blew me away. I mean, just amazing energy and uh, just great stuff. So. It was that was kind of a thing where it was like, wow, she's gone. Huh. Yeah, I would because I would like to have seen her again. Of everyone on this list, I would say, you know, I wasn't a huge Prince fan, but I, I appreciated him. Sure. But upon Prince's passing, I definitely dove into his catalog and found a million things yeah. to love about Prince. I mean, his musicianship, his dedication to his craft. I mean, his amazing natural talents. Prince, I rediscovered, you know, because of this. Um, but I, I agree. Uh, you know, George Martin probably is the person who gave me the most that's on 
this unfortunate list that you know the who in whose work influenced my life more yeah it, oh, it would have yeah. to be george martin yeah 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 uh, yeah I, I i could make an argument for saying the exact same thing about me yeah 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 so yeah it's i mean it, you know it, and i don't mean to be dismissive uh, about it but just being matter of fact this stuff does happen uh as we said last week kind of the 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 silver lining is we still have the music that that they created and there's nothing there's nothing stopping us from enjoying that in every way that we ever have, except, of course, going and seeing the original artist uh, play it live. But um, but otherwise, you know, we kind of have we have this piece of them that that uh, for pretty much all of these people is just part of the either the American or the, the worldwide songbook. For and, sure. And that's a you know, it's, it's a pretty good thing. <laughs> so they gave us a lot of gifts without a doubt. Yeah. It, cheers it, to it, all it, of them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Raise a glass. Raise a glass. Yeah. All right. Um, now, looking forward to 2017, mm. what, uh, what's on your mind, Paul? Well, I was thinking, um, I have a friend whose band just went into the studio, and they paid a lot of money in a really nice studio to cut nine songs as a demo. And Nine full got, songs. Nine full songs. Co- I think covers they, I think or originals? All, all covers. It's okay. a cover Okay, And, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that they're going to take parts of each of the nine songs, but the, on their website, they're going to put up all nine songs. And it sounds great. The engineer is great. Um, but I'm sure it costs them a lot of money. And I'm, I'm thinking today about the, the value of, of going that route. Because if you think about demos now, again, so we've talked about this and demos as a path to getting, um, to getting a gig. Demos are a supportive activity but they're not the the direct line to getting a gig. Like we talked about, you know, spending your time and money on making relationships is probably the most effective thing you can do. But in the realm of just demos, you know, you can do a lot of things. You can take something right off the board at a live gig. You can just video a live gig. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, there's a lot of tools for getting something done inexpensively. Um, You know, and these are going to be my questions for you, my, my sound engineer friend. Um, uh, you know, would you do something in a home studio on a on on Logic or even on GarageBand if you're not Logic yeah. proficient? I mean, how far would you go today? You know, if if your daughter came to you and said, "All right, we got this band, we want to start gigging," what would you tell her? You know, it, what would you tell her to to have as a something to hand to somebody and says, "Here's what we're about." Yeah. So first of all, I feel like I've made a terrible mistake in, in doing this show with you, Paul, for these two years, because um, and I'm joking, actually. I, but <laughs> what? but uh, I always say whenever I've joined like a new band or I'm part of, you know, some new pickup outfit, whatever it is, I, I say I want. OK, Dave, don't tell them that you know anything about sound. Just set up your drums, play, let them do the sound. You don't have to worry. You get about these it. questions all the time. Yeah, exactly. And now there's just you, the, the, you're probably too informed to provide the advice, right? The cat's out of the bag. So yeah, yeah it's like I can't. I, I'll I'll sit there and I'll set up my drums and I'll hear them like struggling with something. And it's like you know what? All right, hang on. Let me let me just this. Let me show you how how I've learned how to do this. You know, and and then usually they're very appreciative. But then I just become the sound guy. So, uh, so that cat's out of the bag, but that's okay. It's, it's, it could, there are worse things. I just wanted to state that because I realized, I'm, wow, I'm there's, there's no way I can hide this anymore. You know, um, if my daughter came to me, so, uh, it's a, that's an interesting question because this, ha- a couple of years ago, she went in with her band to a studio. One of the, 
kids in her band got as a birthday gift, you know, a day in a local studio to go and record, uh, uh, you know, however much they could get down in a day. And, and they did. I think they did four songs. Two of them were originals. Two of them were covers. But it was more about the experience of recording in something that approximated a real, you know, honest to goodness recording studio. Yeah. So so from that standpoint, I think it's great experience because now the next time she shows up in the studio uh, in any capacity, it's you know, there's it's not an unfamiliar scenario for her. or if she does something on her own at home. She kind of grocks the the you know, she's been taught by by experience of, of doing this thing. So from that standpoint, I think being in a studio is great because you can learn things uh, and, and you sort of get to get over that that. That new, you know, this is this is no longer unfamiliar territory. However, if she said we need a demo because, you know, we want to use it for Jam Patrol to do these other things, I'd say, all right, well, uh, if you want an audio demo, we just do that right here. That's fine. We, we have the capability. Uh, it's not that difficult. You don't need a ton of equipment. You know, you need a couple of decent microphones or a couple of microphones. They really don't even have to be decent. Uh, but it doesn't hurt. And then, uh, and by, by decent, I mean, mics in the, you know, hundred dollar to $200 range. You don't need to go anything beyond that. If you don't want to, uh, SM 58s are going to be fine to record a band. Um, and the reason for this is that most people are listening to little computer speakers or a phone speaker, right? Yeah, that's it. Nobody's listening for sound quality it, for that certain thing. And, and, and so my next piece of advice would be, Maybe an audio only recording. Is that truly what you want? You know, and let's let's talk about where that's going to go, because I think perhaps you might be better off just doing like you said, a video, because that's now we're, we're we live in that world. It's not difficult yeah. to send a video to someone anymore. It's in well, fact, it's not cake. only that, yeah. it, it, I would say my the answer to my own question. Yeah people ask for video a lot more than they ask for anything else. You know, when, when judging whether they want you to perform, they want to see what you look like. Right. And, and, and what you sound like, but those two things go to closer together. And, you know, with the magic of YouTube, it's a link that you're sending them and that's all that they need. That's all they need. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would, I, if I were to rewind to my, my youth in, you know, high school and college bands or whatever, where we were doing demos and sometimes we recorded them on our own on a four track or whatever. And sometimes, you know, if we had a, the, whatever, the opportunity to go into a studio, we would do that. Um, a video would have been much better. In fact, I think if you'd stopped any of us at any point in time ever and said, Hey, for exactly the same amount of effort and really no additional cost, uh, we could do a video instead of uh, an audio recording. Would you prefer to send a video to all the people that are going to potentially consider your band to book them? We would have said a hundred percent of the time. Yes, definitely. Right away now, because that's a better way to portray. Uh, we're not trying to sell a club owner, an album. We're trying to convince them to have us entertain the people in their yeah. establishment. So the video is always better. It always has been. It just, it, it, there was no easy way of either creating or, and I think distribution, right, is the big one. There was no way of dis distributing a video to everyone, right? You know, but now literally a link. That's all you need. It's done. Yeah. Literally, it, you know. So, yeah, video. I, I, I don't know that I would. Again, it's fun being in the studio. There, there's, there's. It's expensive. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. But you can get, you can approximate. And and really get most of that experience doing it on your own. 
Yeah. Where time you spend more time potentially, but far less money. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the caveat for me is like bands who are going for corporate work or, you know, the high pay, then a produced video is probably the best thing you can put your money into. Oh yeah. But the concept of audio demos seems to be, you know, it's, it's, uh, for cover bands, you know, original music is a little bit different, but, um, yes, to- totally right. For original music, you, I, I would still argue you want to have the video as the, the calling card. Um, but you having a way for people to buy or, or even just listen to whether you're going to sell it or not is a whole other question, but just yeah. a way for people to listen to the music that you've created and even a way for yourself to document, okay, here is our, you know, version of the way we want this song to be at this point in time. Okay, great. You know that. I mean, we did that with Fling this year. We're going to do more of it uh, next year. It's great. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but I so still don't I think, know that I'd go to a studio to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I again, I, I think I think in a live video yep. with decent yeah. sound quality. I mean, and if you want to get fancy to about it, yeah, doesn't have to be great. If you want to, you know, if you want to go right out of your board, if you if you're truly, you know, the problem, of course, when you're in a club environment you're not really mixing you're you're uh, you're balancing right yeah you know i mean no i think you're, you're better a lot off of using stuff is the, coming right off the stage you're better off using the mic in your iphone most of the time than you are coming off your board i think yep i, I think i mean you, you know experiment with it that's the beauty is it doesn't cost much if anything other than time and opportunity you know you might want to say well this gig would look great on video so maybe you want to try a couple three different things at that gig and then be able to pick from one. Yeah. You know, but otherwise, yeah. 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 I mean, look good, you know, dress the way you dress, you know, whatever right. your vibe is, just, just whatever your vibe is, but, um, cause it is video. Um, yes. and, <laughs> yes. and, uh, you know, be smart and, and send your best stuff. Um, and then, and then if we actually are going to drill down on this, you know, the full songs are not, really what people want. They want to hear a slow song. They want to hear, you know, a couple, you know, maybe a couple styles, but you definitely want to give them a representative sampling. And so, and again, you know, iMovie and, and um, it's not hard, you know, to take phone video, you know, mobile device video and to use some of these tools that are out there that are inexpensive or free, add some titles to it and actually can look pretty pretty pro yep and uh, and you have a nice thing that you can send to people yeah that's right I, I i'm glad you brought up the concept of snippets or a, a a um you know kind of a collection of of snippets because chances are someone doesn't want to sit and listen to five full songs. when you said your your friend's band did nine nine uh, full, nine full songs no one's going to listen to all of those. I, I no. don't think unless again, unless they, they have it, it's a dual purpose thing and they intend to sell it. I've seen cover bands sell recordings at gigs. I don't know that I've seen it recently, but I certainly experienced that and, and seen bands make money from that. Uh, but yep. in terms of your calling card and your press kit and, and that your marketing materials snippets are better. You know, I always think two minutes or less. And, uh, you know, just go for just a little bit of each and everything. Show the highlight. It's the highlight reel. I mean, that's what you should be building. And it, that doesn't mean that everything has to be like over the top energy. You, as you said, you might want to show a slow song in the middle where everybody's, you know, snuggled up on the dance floor. That's yeah. that's not a bad thing. But these are the highlights of your show. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to add in here. So if they are selling it, they might be giving it away, you know, as a as a, you know, 
goodwill thing or a marketing thing. If you are selling it, we can take a little detour here. I think uh, there's a service called Louder, L-O-U-D-R. Okay. Uh, our friend Colin Crawford's son started this service, and um, they take care of all the royalty rights in a very simple way. So we should spend a moment just saying, remember, us as cover musicians, usually our freight is paid by the venues that we play in. Our freight meaning yeah. the, the you know the royalty, you know, the, the, the rights to perform this music is usually covered. If you're gonna record this music, if you're gonna sell it especially, you really wanna do right by the original artist that you're covering and you wanna make sure that you like that you license these things correctly so that they get their they get their uh, their part of this. They do, yeah. So yeah, yeah so louder, L O U D R dot com. Is uh, is a service that makes actually. It very, it's, I think it's louder. FM. We've got a link oh, yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. We've got a link in the show notes, but but All I right, think good. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's actually a good. I realize it's it's slightly tangential, but the the um, when you play music live, cover music in a bar uh, or any sort of establishment where they they bring people in, royalties are paid on on that performance of yours it's just that the licensing agencies know that they have a much easier time getting money out of the people that are actually running a profitable business aka the the club owners and mm-hmm. and i'm making it an, an an incorrect statement that they're all profitable but uh much easier to get money out of even the unprofitable ones uh than it is to get money out of bands so mm-hmm. they don't go after you as a band but they do and i've seen it uh, where we had gigs canceled at a club because BMI showed up and uh, said, all right, well, you owe us 30 grand because the club hadn't been paying them. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, here's the deal. I'm like, well, we, we don't have that kind of money. I'm like, well, first things first, you don't have any more, you know, live yeah. cover music. You'd have original bands. That's fine. But cover music. uh, uh-uh. And then secondly, you got to pay this bill. And it actually wound up putting that particular club totally out of business. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but it's, you know, it's important to know that, the people, you know, whose house you are playing are paying that bill if they're right. letting the public in. And that's that, you know, at least at the very least, be aware of it, hopefully be appreciative of it at some level. And if, yeah. it, you know, and if you want while you're marketing to uh, to these people, you can kind of get on their side by by venting a little bit with them and opening them up to vent a little bit, because chances are they probably don't like that bill. They have to pay ASCAP and CSAC and BMI every yeah. month or quarter or whatever it is. So. It's a bonding point, potentially. I hear you. Um, I have another, uh, going to take a little left turn here. Yeah, another um, one. A tangent another a tangent. Yep. Yeah, we're going to end up in the same, we're going to end up in a circle. But um, <laughs> are you, do you subscribe to the concept that um, all vocal mics should be the same, the same brand and model oh. on, in a band? Wow. Um, yes, I do. I don't, Let me tell I don't, you why get, I'm asking I don't this. get my way often, yeah. but I do. Yes. We use all beta 58s, sure, beta 58s, right? And I, I hate uh, those, by the way, but that's a whole well, other story. So, so let me just put So we had some, um, and uh, the concept was to help our sound guy have a consistent view into EQ. Um, so that was, the, that was the reasoning that we started with, right? Um, now, I have a, a beta 58 wireless, which for all intents and purposes, it's not a beta 58, right? Nope. It, it, there's a lot of technology in, in between there. It doesn't sound like the other mics. No, and, uh, it's got compression right? and all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. right. Yep. And then actually the other night uh, with an acoustic madness gig, I sang through an EV 
RE510 that sounded beautiful. I mean, it was so warm and so rich on the bottom end. And I mean, it was really like, I I need this mic, right? I I bonded with the mic. And, but, uh, so this is why I'm asking, you know, do you, do you subscribe to the thing that don't do it? It's, it's more hassle than it's worth, or they're all just tools and they all have to be EQ'd anyway. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So I, I, I should say that I like the concept. I don't get my way with it often. And I'm not sure that if I did get my way with it, that I would like that. Um, Mm. I, well, because there is a simplicity, uh, of, of having all the exact same mics where, you know, gain structure is going to be, you're starting in a similar point EQ. If you find a weird EQ thing about one mic, you know, that that's true about all of them. But the reality is it, it, you, uh, it's more important to me to have the singer on both the right mic for that singer, but also then from gig to gig, the same mic for that singer. That's more important to me than the concept of just having everybody, you know, homogenizing the mics and having everybody on, on the same thing, because some mics, the best mic for you might not be the best mic for me. In fact, I would be shocked if that were the case. Uh Um, Now you get into, uh, you know, mics of, of decent quality, they're, they're going to represent each of us quite well. But if we're going to get really picky, you know, everybody sings a little bit differently. And, and there are characteristics to your singing style that will help guide you in a nuanced way towards, uh, you know, a mic that's that's right for you. But uh, so but that said, you know, uh, if I could have everybody on. I, well, the, the Telefunk and M80s are. Great sounding mics. They're weird to sing into, especially for singing harmonies, um, because you, I, you, I kind of feel like you have to sink down the barrel of the thing. So there's no way I have to a sweet spot. Yeah, you, 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 yeah. It almost feels like the element is way deep in that thing. It's not the case, but that's just the the sensation I get as a singer into it. Whereas, like the the competitor for that, which is the Heil PR35, um, has is almost like singing into a, a condenser mic in that sense of I can sort of float around the outside of it and blend a harmony a whole lot easier than I can on a, on an M80, but either mic sounds fantastic and, and really does a good job of limiting off axis signals and feedback rejection and presence and all of that stuff. And the concept of using a dynamic mic on stage is so much better in my opinion, especially for a band that's doing their own sound than a condenser mic. Um, that those, those two, if you want to spend some money on a, on a vocal mic and you're not going to spend much, I mean, you're, you're talking two to 250 bucks, maybe, um, those two are the kind of the ones that I would go with. And that's actually what all the touring acts are. Most of the touring acts are using. Tell me now. the models again. Yeah. The, um, the Telefunken M80 and there's a, there's a couple of mics in that series. They've got the M81 and, and, and then the, um, Heil PR35, which is I, I actually use a Heil PR30 because I started using it before before I knew about the 35. I don't know if it existed or not, but uh, well, so add in my Electro Voice RE510 to this list, yep. and and yep. uh, I, like I said, I was I, I I've come to love my Beta 58s. You know, be yep. really comfortable with them. Yeah, you learn it right, of course. Yeah, you know, but uh, then just one song on this RE510, and I was like. That was an acoustic gig, right? On the RE510? Yeah, going through my Bose. I I can see that. I mean, that is a condenser mic. So you've got to, I wouldn't dive in head first to an electric, full electric gig with one of those. You may wind up 
not liking how much it picks up. I haven't, I don't have enough experience with the RE five ten to know how, how well it deals with off axis stuff and all that, but condenser mics in with rock bands, um, especially along the front, the front line can be a real problem. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, cool. um, but that, you know, I've, I've had, I actually use an EV mic here in the studio that I've had forever and I can't remember the model number. It's like a four fifty seven N or something. Um, the, those those do have a sweet spot though, I've found the the EV mics that I've tried. I don't know about that one, but yeah, um, yeah. but there's I mean you know that's the beauty of it. So I, yeah, I, I I like I like the simplicity of just saying everybody on the same mic. And I've dealt with sound engineers that that mandate that understandably, but for a band that's kind of playing over and over and over again, um, probably better to get the right mic for the singer as long as whoever's doing the sound is aware of that. If you're dealing with different front of house sound every night that you play, you know, based on whatever it is you're dealing with, then you probably need to homogenize a little bit so that, you know, you're not driving the engineer crazy. Mm. I, I think, you know, but that's, you. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I've heard singers that sound fantastic into a, just a regular sure SM 58 too. I think Bono is one of those, right? It, and I may have my story incorrect, but um, Bono, I swear it's him. If I'm wrong, let me know. Feedback at gigabpodcast.com. But Bono loves the SM58 so much that not only does he sing with it live, uh, you know, when they play whatever, arenas, stadiums, you name it. I think he also uses it in the studio because it's just right for his voice. If it's not yeah. Bono, it's somebody else. But, you know, uh, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, okay. You don't like the big Neumann condenser in the studio. It's better to have the fifty-eight. Yeah. Man, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> it's, so yeah, I guess I guess I don't subscribe to that as much as I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question. All right, man. Yeah. Anything else we have to uh, to go through here? No, we said we said goodbye to some heroes. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we talked about demos. We talked about microphones. We talked, you know, good stuff. It's good stuff. So we are, I believe our schedules are such that uh, the next time that you will hear from us will be on uh, Monday, the 7th, 8th, 9th of January, if, uh, if uh, that's correct. So we're effectively skipping next week. Uh, I, I will say, though, that um, and we were talking about different episodes that, uh, that, you know, we have this whole archive of things. So if there's something you want to go back to and listen or if you haven't listened, um, th- this is a great time to do it because you've got a week where we're not putting out a new one. Our, um, and I was reminded of the episode we did with Jan Hammer back in June because that's where, that's where it's sharing again. Yeah, because um, he talked about uh, Paul Blay, right? He tells a great story. About uh, a bass player and uh, well, we can say because you, you can hear it, but it's a, a great story about uh, a gig he played with Jaco Pastorius, Pat Metheny and Paul Blay. And if you know anything about Paul Blay and Jan Hammer, you'll know that they both play piano. So they both weren't playing piano that night. And we'll let the story go from there and we'll put a link to the interview with Jan in the uh, in the show notes. <laughs> We got a couple of nice um, messages uh, via our Facebook page. We got a nice message from a guy in, in Australia. We just said that he's enjoying the show. It's just, I just want to tell everybody out there, it's really, really fun for us to hear from musicians around the world. Uh, you know, we're just a bunch of musicians just talking about what we do. And, and uh, we're leading the conversation. But whenever you guys kind of chime in, whether it's a question that you leave us or just a nice note, they really, really, really mean a lot to us. It's just very fun to know that we're connecting with you people out there. We started this 
whole thing, you know, 96 episodes ago, Dave. That's correct. Yeah. 96 episodes ago, you know, we were like, you know, we're two friends who live on opposite ends of the, of the United States. And, you know, we would love to talk to each other by phone. And these were our conversations anyway. Why not turn it into something that other people can listen to? That's how we started all this type of stuff. And every time we get uh, some indication <laughs> that you're out there and you're digging what we're doing, it, it really motivates us to think of new things to talk about and other ways to reach you guys and, and keep the conversation going worldwide. You know, it's, it's we talk to each other, but then some interesting things sometimes come up on uh, on our community site on Facebook. And so just want to say Happy New Year to everybody out there. Thanks for the nice comments. Uh, thanks for letting us know that you enjoy what we do. It really it means more to us than you can know. Yeah, it's so true. I, I can't. Uh, I, yes. Thank you. It it really does. When we hear from you folks, uh, you know, it was what was it? Was it Christmas Day or was Christmas Eve? We, we got that uh, comment. I think the one that you mentioned from the guy in Australia and yeah. both you and I like responded immediately. It was you know, it, this means a lot to us. It really does. And uh, and and so anything you'd like to say, good, bad, ugly, worse, whatever. Great. Let us know. Absolutely. We'll, uh, We'll see you next year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have good New Year's Eve gigs, everybody. Yeah, always be performing. Always. Always.